Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 through 20, we look here at wisdom's benefits and folly's damage. So he's continuing talking about the benefits of wisdom and the damage that folly, foolishness can do. We looked at two sets of Proverbs last week uh, from chapter 9 and uh, the beginning of, and then into chapter 10, verse 7. And remember, Proverbs are not, they're not like a video. They're not like a movie picture. They're like a, a what? They're like a, a photograph, a snapshot. If you're old enough, a Polaroid. It gives you a picture at the moment of what's going on. It doesn't tell you the whole story. Uh, these Proverbs are from God's perspective. They're given by Solomon. Um, they have the, the Mosaic Law as the ground out of which they grow. And so Deuteronomy especially tells us about God's will, his person in relation to Israel, and that's their basis. So when we read these, we need to apply, we need to first understand what was Solomon saying? What was Solomon saying so that the Israelites would know it and apply it rightly? But we're not Israel, are we? We don't live in that time. We are not under the jurisdiction of the Mosaic Law. Uh, we are Gentiles. We're the church. Um, we're under the law of Christ, not the Mosaic Law. Different jurisdiction, a better jurisdiction, <laughs> frankly, because we have the law in our hearts. Our sins are... Uh, we have the consciousness of forgiven sin. And so when we're reading the Old Testament, here's a Bible quiz question. Is it less truth than the New Testament? The answer is no. It's God's truth. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration. It's all profitable. And so what we need to do is we need to understand that Old Testament and when it was written, who it was written to, the truth that was said there, and then we need to accurately apply it in our day and age. And so as we work through this, uh, I pray that the Lord will help you see the importance of Christ's wisdom. That's one way I apply this. Wisdom from Solomon's vantage point was from the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord. And that's just an Old Testament way of talking about saving faith. Submission to the Lord, loving him, exclusively serving him. So tonight, or this morning, we're going to look, I don't know where tonight came from. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20. And there's three sections here, 8 through 11, and then uh, 12 through uh, 15, and then uh, 16 to 20. Each of these sections, they would be normally, I normally preach a paragraph, each of these would be a sermon on its own. Uh, but there's, there's, they're short enough that I'm going to combine them. And so you're getting three messages for the price of one. It's buy, one, buy two, get one free, as it were. How can we apply and know and see the importance of Christ's wisdom for our life? First, number one, in verses 8 to 11, wisdom brings success if you use it. And he talks about a lot, several different Day-to-day, everyday life experiences here. First one's in verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. So what's this talking about? You're blank there, number one. This, I think, is talking about hunting. You weren't expecting that one, were you? Hunting. Now, when you hear that, he who digs a pit will fall into it, 
You might be thinking of Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. That's probably what you're thinking of. And then the, the, the part that goes right after that makes it very clear that if, if you try to be naughty, you lay a trap for someone, uh, the Lord will bring it back on your head. Well, is it possible that the same phrase can be used in a different context? And so with a different meaning? Yeah, that, that's what's going on here. Uh, the context, as we'll walk through this, these are everyday things in the daily life of, of Israelites. And so here, one way that they would hunt is that they would dig a pit so that they could trap things. What could happen? You're laying a trap. My grandpa uh, used actual traps. Uh, you know, the kind that you pry open. Or actually, you might do traps if you're trying to catch a mouse. You know, those little pullback things, you know, set it just right. Uh, you gingerly put it down. And what could accidentally happen if you're not careful? Snap! And it, it gets you. I don't know if that's ever happened. It's never caught my finger, but it's definitely snapped and it scares you, doesn't it? Okay. If you're not paying attention, if you're not careful, the trap could get you. And, and that's what's going on here. You could incidentally fall into your trap if you're not careful. Uh, so there's mouse traps, there's hunting traps. Um, how do we most, how do we, how do, how do most go hunting in this day and age? What's the weapon of choice there? Well, it's a gun. Is it possible that you could shoot yourself with your own gun if you're not careful? Yep. I had a professor in seminary. He did just that. Don't ask me how he did it. He'd been, uh, he had guns for a long time. He was cleaning his gun. He shot his finger right off. <laughs> and so it's, it's quite a thing to look at your professor and he's like this, okay? Uh, that can happen. You need to be wise. You need to be careful when hunting. Another day-to-day -day activity in the second part of verse 8. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. This is talking about number two, construction. Construction. Again, you might think of Amos 5.19. He leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. That's talking about how it will be inescapable to escape God's judgment in that circumstance. Go from one thing to the next and the Lord will get him. But that's not, the, the Lord's judgment is not the context here. It's everyday Israelite life. And while doing construction, if they weren't paying attention, they had lots of snakes back in that day and age. Could you imagine busting through your drywall and you see a snake? There's YouTube videos of this happening that are scary. And they're breaking through the the. I, Trish and I just saw one recently where they're, they're taking the ceiling down and there's a bunch of, what are those big boa constructors? I mean, that's just freaky. I'm thankful we don't live in that time. What could you have today? Uh, dangerous things. Well, who knows? Rats, mice, um, things like that. You need to be careful. Here's the point. You need to be careful. You need to be alert when you're working. Beginning of verse 9 for the third one. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them. So here we have getting building materials, number three. Getting building materials. This helps us see in this context, it's talking about everyday events in normal life. 
Major building projects back then, you had to quarry stones. Are you glad that we don't have to quarry stones? That'd be hard work, you know, hammer and chisel and banging away at that. Now, what do you do? Well, we just go to Home Depot. We buy some drywall and we just bring that in and it's painless. And there's no chance of getting hurt when you're working with building material, right? There's a lot of chance, a great opportunity. Um, you could get hurt on a construction project, moving drywall, or maybe you'll be with me sometime this week. Uh, I have a couple projects I need to do with uh, upper and lower control arms on my, my vehicle. And as I was getting ready to do that, I saw I'm going to have to repair that, that sway bar link, the, the, the completely rotted, uh, the rubber grommet. And so um, I'm going to have to jack up my car. Now, what would be the best way to do that? I'm just going to use the, the, the emergency jack that they put for your car to change a tire. That'll be good enough, right? You know what I do when I'm underneath a car? I use my floor jack. I use some jack stands, and you might say, this is a little overkill. And I say, I don't want a car falling on me. That's happened. That's another example. Number four, the second part of verse nine. He who splits wood may be endangered by it. Boy, I wish I knew this one back when I was a kid. Remember my dad used to uh, heat, our, heat our house with, with wood? And he'd bring in a huge semi-load of, of uh, logs. And one Saturday, we would have a, a cutting party where all the relatives would come over and we'd, we'd cut them into eight, 10-foot lengths. The next Saturday, my grandpa would put his big round buzzsaw on, a, on his PTO and his tractor. And we'd have a, a buzz party where we'd, we'd buzz these to lengths. Then the next weekend, we'd have a splitting party with the, the, the splitting machine. The, forget what that's called. All the relatives would come over. And then the parties would stop. And then it'd be up to Danny and Tommy, my brother and I, to stack the wood, to bring it over to the house, to put in the basement. And we were always like, why don't we have a stacking party? Why do we have to do all this? And dad would say, well, you're the slaves. And that's what slaves do. I wish I had known this. He who splits wood would be endangered by it. See, dad, it's, it's not God's will for us no, that's not what it's talking about. What's your blank for number four? Energy. Energy. Wood was needed then for heating and for cooking. And you could well have an accident with an axe. Josiah got me a, a nice big mall axe for Father's Day, and I have a lot of fun with that thing. And it's kind of like a chainsaw when you see it in my hands. Danger. <laughs> Wheel that thing, and you know what can happen when you're when you do that, it can glance off the wood, cut your leg. And this is scary and frightening, isn't it? It can almost get kind of faint and queasy just thinking about the blood flowing from pastor's leg. Today, what about energy? Well, yeah, there's wood. Where do we get most of our energy today? It just happens, doesn't it? You flick on the switch and there's energy. Electricity. Don't tell this to the little ones. What are those little sockets for? Well, that, those are pen holders, right? You just, that's, no. You need to be careful with electricity because what can it do? It can harm you. 
You can be endangered by it. Um, flame, that's dangerous. So you need to be careful. You need to be wise. What have we learned about the kind of world we live in from Solomon? A sin-cursed world. Number 10, or verse 10 for number five. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. Number five, this is using tools. Using tools. Now I got the men's attention. Oh, boy, tools. They're very helpful. Uh, A dull axe. You can cut wood with a dull axe, but what's it going to require? A lot more strength. A lot more strength. Um, Yeah, I just don't want to take the time to sharpen it. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be hard. Uh, If you take the time to sharpen it, you will get more done with less effort. Now, you might not use an axe today, but do you use a sawzall? Do you use a circular saw? Uh, Ladies, do you use knives in your kitchen? Um, We sharpen these things so that they're easier to use. Um, You might say, I don't have anything to do with any of that stuff. Do you have a computer? Do you have a data phone, smartphone? Those need to be updated. They need to be the software kept in place. Um, these are all different aspects of, of putting this into practice, being wise. And then verse 11, which, was pro- which is probably the one that really makes us scratch our head the most. What's going on here? A serpent may bite when it is not charmed. The babbler is no different. Number six, this is threat protection. Threat protection. And we get to have a little fun with the Hebrew here. A serpent may bite when it is not charmed. The babbler is no different. The New King James that I'm using here, the King James, translate this Hebrew word as babbler. Uh, Others translate it in reference to the, the snake charmer. The word that's used here uh, is that of the tongue. We have tongues, don't we? What do we do with that tongue? We speak and we communicate. That word, the Hebrew word for tongue, it can be used literally. That thing in your mouth, between your, uh, your teeth that you use to speak with. It can also be used figuratively in a figure of speech. The, the entryway of a, uh, of a sea, the inlet of a sea, it's used that way. Uh, the bear, you can see how it could be used that way. It can be used of individuals, a gossip, an idle, idle speaker, um, somebody who is an idle talker. It can be used in how a snake charmer speaks to snakes. That's the idea here. The Hebrew expression that we have here is one who is the Lord of a tongue. Uh, the, the, the word for Lord here is Baal and has that idea of a master, the master of the tongue. The context is talking about a snake as charming a snake. And so all this to say, I think it's best to translate the Hebrew word as a, a charmer rather than babbler here. That's what's being talked about. What's going on here? Well, there's a threat. The threat is a poisonous snake. There were those back then who had skills to protect against the threat. Snake charmers. 
What good, of a, what good is a snake charmer if the snake's already bit someone? Oh, I just got bit by a snake. Call the snake charmer. You'd be like, why bother? Somebody robs a bank. They're already gone. Hey, we better install an alarm system. Why bother? It's already been robbed. Why? Uh, makes no sense. Solomon's point is this. Use wisdom before bad things happen. It's threat protection. Use wisdom before bad things happen. Because after the bad things happen, that wisdom is useless. How could we apply this? Go back to your computers. Who would want to send malware to your computer? Nobody would want to do that. Nobody would want to send a virus. I mean, why would somebody do that? We live in a good world, don't we? Oh, you need to have virus protection for your computer. It's just wise. What do we have on our doors? Lock them. I know, living here in the country, you might say, eh, we live in the country. We don't lock our doors. Somebody comes in and robs your house, and I know some have had the attitude of, locks just keep honest people honest. <laughs> if they really want to break in, they can. Well, have a lock, have an alarm system, that sort of thing. We could apply this as well to our nation. That's why we have standing armies and a Navy, and an Air Force. It's for national security. Putting all these five things together, day-to-day life, you need to be controlled by Christ's wisdom. Because when you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, that will have good effects in your day-to-day life in a sin-cursed world. You live in God's world. You need to live by God's wisdom. We live in a world that he cursed because of sin. There's thorns and thistles, and it's hard. And when you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, you'll be more aware, you'll be less distracted, you'll be on top of things, you'll be careful, you won't be foolish. You have your head, as my dad would say, you'll have your head screwed on straight. When you're controlled by your sin nature, You're not going to be as careful. You're going to be flighty. You're going to make foolish decisions. You're not going to think straight. Uh, You won't be paying attention to basic things. The best homeowner is a Christian. The best construction worker is a Christian, should be a Christian. Uh, The best computer engineer, the best whatever it may be, is a Christian should be, must be a Christian because we have Christ's wisdom controlling us. The second part goes from verses 12 to 15. Here we see that wisdom protects you from foolishness. Verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. Wisdom, number one, protects you from saying things that you'll regret. You won't say things that you will regret. The wise man's mouth is gracious. That's what happens when you're controlled by Christ's wisdom. Your speech will be gracious, good, pleasing, patient, and kind. 
A couple of passages to write down right along this line. Proverbs 10.32. Proverbs 10.32. The lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. New Testament. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Be controlled by Christ's wisdom. That'll control not only what you say, but how you say it. Every morning, I have a routine. I stumble and I push the coffee maker on. I make my coffee the night before so that in my delirium in the morning, I can just push start. I then start my egg and my toast. And then I wait about two minutes, two, three minutes. I have my egg over easy. Is that right? Yeah, so I flip the thing. Um, And then I do something to that egg to make it taste better. I put pepper on it, and what else do you think I put on it? Salt. A couple months ago, it was really humid out. Uh, You remember, I'm I'm in delirium, putting the stuff on, and I'm eating my egg, and I'm like, ah, bland, tasteless. Where's the salt? Shook the salt shaker. There's salt in there. I'm going like this and it's not coming out. I unscrewed the top and because it was so humid, the, the, the salt kind of got stuck up in there. And so I thought, well, since the top's off, I just kind of poured it. Oh, no, I didn't do that, but I tried to gingerly put it on there. But since then, I always make sure that that salt shaker's set so that it just a lot tastes better. The egg didn't change, did it? It was something that was done to the egg to to make it taste better. We not only need to say the right thing, we need to say it in the right way so that it's acceptable, seasoned, grace. And when you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, that's what will happen. But what if not? That's the second part of verse 12. The lips of a fool will swallow him up. That's what happens when you're controlled by your sin nature. When you want to say the first thing that comes in your mouth, you don't think before you speak. When you make a foolish promise or commitment, when you get caught in a lie, or you say something to someone that you really shouldn't say that. We have another way of saying this. What it says here, uh, the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. We say it this way, your words will come back to bite you. It's going to come back to bite you. You need to be controlled by Christ's wisdom so that you don't say things that you regret. Verse 13. The words of his mouth begin with foolishness. The end of his talk is raving madness. When you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, number two, you won't say irrational things. You won't say irrational things. His words begin with foolishness. They end with raving madness. You know anybody like this? You know that the first word that's going to come out of their mouth is not very serious, it's silly, and it's going to continue all the way to the end of the conversation. The more he talks, the crazier he gets. How do we respond to that kind of person? Hey, you know what? I really need to go. (laughs) We don't want to listen to that kind of foolishness. We need to see sin is not static. 
It doesn't just stay in one place. It spreads. New Testament describes it like a cancer, a canker. It keeps spreading, taking more ground and more ground. It grows, it spreads, it infects. And if we don't check the sin in our heart, it will come out in the things that we say. Christ must control our speech so that we're speaking what's wise and what's smart. Verse 14, number three. A fool also multiplies his words. No one can tell, no man knows what it is to be. Who can tell him what will be after him? When you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, number three, you won't say ignorant things. You won't say ignorant things. Ignorant means you have no idea. You're clueless. You don't know what it's talking about. When you're controlled by sin, you'll talk too much. You're going to talk about things that haven't happened yet as if you know what's going to happen. Have you ever known somebody like that? This is what's going to happen. And you say, no, that's not going to happen. You've got wisdom. You've got experience. This other person says, no, I know this is going to happen. It's really good. You're wrong. This is what's going to happen. And then as times goes, times show that you're right and they're wrong. Who's really good at this? I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm going to get in trouble here because there are some here who are really good at this and it applied to all of us. We were all like this. Every one of us, me included. I do it. Kids and young people. Ooh, I did it. I'm, you should see the, the guns zeroing in on me right now. Well, how can you? It's not an attack, and it's an observation and a testimony because I did it too. And guess what? Adults, we did it too. What am I talking about? Dad, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. You are so wrong. You haven't a clue. This is the right thing to do. And then years later, you hear this. Dad, remember when? Yeah, I said, yeah. You were right. I know. <laughs> Some scripture. Ecclesiastes 3.7. Ecclesiastes 3.7. Remember that when there's a time to this and a time to that? He said there in Ecclesiastes 3.7, there's a time, to, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Go to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth do, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. God is in heaven, you're on earth, and so let your words be few. A dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you've owed, better to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? 
From the multitude of dreams and many words, there's also vanity, but fear God. You could also write down Proverbs 17, 28. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool is counted wise if he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. When you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, you will be humble. You'll be self-controlled. You'll learn. You'll learn. Back to chapter 10 and verse 15. Chapter 10 and verse 15. The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. When you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, number four, you won't be a scatterbrain. You won't be a scatterbrain. Here we have a picture of a fella, a fool, and he comes home whipped. He's tired. Why? He didn't take time to get directions. He kind of kept wandering. He had no idea where he was going. He spent more energy than was needed. He had a hard day at work, and he didn't know where he was going. He didn't take the time. He wasn't thinking. He was disorganized. He was uninformed. He was forgetful. What's the S word here for that kind of a person? Scatterbrained. Not settled. Fly, fly, flying from one thing to the other. Uh, just kind of going along the line. The benefit of being controlled by Christ's wisdom is 2 Corinthians 10.5. In a sin-cursed world, you will have the mind of Christ. You're bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The benefit of having Christ's wisdom in a sin-cursed world is Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Think on these things, what's right and true and pure and just and what's a good report. If you do this, you will have God's peace with you. You're not going to be flying all over the place. You'll be settled, controlled by his peace, and when things come up, you'll respond the right way. The last part of Ecclesiastes 10 is verses 16 to 20. Wisdom makes good leaders. Wisdom makes good leaders. Verses 16 and 17. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Wisdom enables you, number one, to have right priorities. Enables you to have right priorities. We have two kinds of leaders here. Verse 16, an immature leader. Verse 17, a mature leader. Let's look at verse 16, the immature leader. Woe to the country who has a child for a king, an immature leader. Children are not competent to rule. They don't have the needed discipline. They don't have the self-control. They want to go play. They want to goof off. They don't want to do the work. They just want to have a good time. This isn't a condemnation. This is a fact. Trust me. 
I spent part of my vacation a couple weeks ago with four little ones under five. They wanted to play Legos. They didn't want to learn Hebrew. I tried. Let's learn about dispensationalism, I said. Can we play Legos, Grandpa? Okay, we'll play Legos. But dispensationalism is more important. Can we play Legos? All right, I'll play Legos. I brought the Legos, by the way, because I like to play Legos. But that's not who you want ruling. Who do you want ruling? Verse 17, you want a mature leader. They have been trained for the task. When he says here, uh, the son of nobles and your princes, those are the ones who had the, the opportunity to get the training, the time, the ability, the money to take care of it. They know the right time, the right place, and the reason for R&R, rest and relaxation. That's what R&R stands for, right? Rest and relaxation. They know the right time for it. End of verse 17, the proper time, strength and not for drunkenness. What's the whole reason for rest? The whole reason for a, quote, vacation. The whole reason for taking time off so that you are strengthened to do the work that God's called you to do. That's not what our society aims for. Our society, they work for Saturday and Sunday. They work to party. They work for rest. They work for entertainment. That's not what a Christ-controlled person should be. We get rest so that we will do God's work for his glory. You'll do what's right. Verses 18 and 19. Because of, the laziness, the, because of laziness, the building decays. Through idleness of hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. When you're controlled by wisdom, number two, you will be responsible. You will be responsible. Here, Solomon describes someone who's controlled by sin. Verse 18, they don't fulfill their regular responsibilities. They don't fulfill their regular responsibilities. They're lazy, as it says here, and idle. They're slothful. That always has bad results. If you don't take care of a building, what's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. If you don't take care of your roof, What's going to happen to the roof eventually? It's going to leak. And if the house leak, if the roof leaks, what will happen to everything inside of it? It'll all get destroyed. Normal maintenance. The fool doesn't think about that. He's not interested in it. Instead, verse 19, they live for the good times. They live, verse 19, for the high life. They live for, the, for all that fun stuff. And they think the idea of money answers everything. The idea that they're thinking there is it answers every problem. You got a problem, just throw money at it. Don't depend on the Lord. Don't take personal responsibility. Don't tell me I need to work hard and not be lazy. Money can answer the problem. Boy, we have some application here for our national situation, don't we? But before we apply it to that, where do we need to shine the light on ourselves? We need to make sure that 
we're taking care of the, the telephone pole in our own eye uh, before dealing with others. Then last, verse 20. Do not curse the king, even in your thought. Do not curse the rich, even in your bedroom. For a bird of the air may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. See? It's not just today that we worry about Google and Apple listening to us. It's happening back then. When you're controlled by Christ's wisdom, number three, you will be reserved. And I'm not talking about keeping a spot. I'm talking about controlled. You'll be reserved. Here he says, don't say bad things about people. Why? It can get back to them in ways that you never thought possible, that you never anticipated. More than that, he says, don't even think about it, even in your thought. Why? Because what's in your head and what's in your heart, what's going to eventually happen, it'll come out. Have you ever had that happen? You've been thinking about it. It's been in your heart. And then, in an unguarded moment with someone or in some circumstance, it just kind of comes out. And you're like, I want to bring those words back. But they're out there. You put it in an email and you're like, oh no. The text or the message went out. I can't bring it back. Be reserved. Be self-controlled is the idea here. Guard your tongue. Don't be a blabbermouth. Don't be chatty or a motormouth. You might say, this last part, Pastor, as you said, this talks about uh, wisdom makes good leaders. And you might say, you might say, you're not a leader. And I say, well, let's just stop a minute. Oral Bible Church is led by pastors, deacons help. But where does the ultimate authority for our church, where does the ultimate authority for our church lie? The congregation. We believe in congregational government. So it doesn't matter uh, what your priorities are, number one. Does it matter how responsible you are? Number two, making sure that the, the roof's taken care of. Apply these things to your responsibilities as a church member. Does it matter what you say and how reserved or controlled you are in the things that you say? It matters. It matters a lot. Apply it to your family situation. You have a role and a responsibility in your family situation. You need to have right priorities. Fulfill your responsibilities. Be careful in what you say. And this all comes from having Christ's wisdom. Christ's wisdom isn't for book nerds. People could think that. Well, you're talking about the Bible, and that's great for, for book nerds, for people who don't do the real work, who aren't doing the nitty-gritty, who aren't getting their hands dirty. What did we just look at in the first part? Everyday life, 
from construction life to power to hunting. It matters. Christ's wisdom isn't for the ivory tower academic. The person who doesn't know what real life is like. You need this in your life. You will only have it first if you're born again. If you trust in Christ. If he washes your sins away. Because unless that happens, sin has complete grip on you. You are under the slavery of sin. And you need to be freed from that. And the only way you can be freed from it, the only way you can have a new heart and a new mind and new life is if you trust in Christ, you turn to him. Leave the foolishness. See it for what it is. And go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him as Jesus says in John 6. Receive him. Believe him. Follow him. Obey him.